Hello and welcome to Tell Me About It, brought to you by NAM AIDS Map, Radioville and Public Health England. It's a podcast where people with HIV and an interest in HIV share our experiences. It's an opportunity for us to talk to people who may know a little less about HIV, celebrate progress and learn from each other. Our lives are varied and diverse. There's no one way to be HIV positive. Every episode, we'll hear from two people with different perspectives. They'll share what they know and how their lives may have been shaped by HIV. Today, we're hearing from Joe Good and Joe Josh. Joe Good is an actress and broadcaster. She is now the most senior female BBC broadcaster with a daily radio show. Joe presented the breakfast show for BBC Radio Brighton for many years before moving back to London, where she has now presented a daily show for over 15 years. She also presents the BBC Insight Out documentaries for BBC One. She has a podcast called Dogs in the City. Her greatest passion now is her YouTube channel, Middle Aged Minx, where she posts weekly vlogs about her life as a single mature Londoner. Joe Josh was diagnosed with HIV in 2008, following a career in media marketing and public relations. She's now communications officer for the British HIV Association and an activist for the HIV community as a steering group member of a UK treatment advocates network called the UK Community Advisory Board and as a co-chair of the Sophia Forum which is an HIV charity focusing on the needs and the rights of women living with HIV. Over to you. Now, Joe, your job as an interviewer is to get to the truth with the people that you're talking to. How would that be different if you're speaking to somebody with HIV? Joe, first of all, can I just say it's so lovely to see you because we both come from media backgrounds and we were introduced on the media, which I think is essential to this chat, actually, because I think it's really interesting to look at how the media has explored this subject. And I'm going to be absolutely honest with you, Joe. when you emailed me about this, my response to you was, I don't think I'm the person you want to talk to. I don't think I have anything to add to this discussion that you are not going to discover with other subjects and other people. I just, I said to you, I feel, you know, I'm not qualified to talk about this. And then I interviewed a young actor who is uh, in the series, the Channel 4 series, It's a Sin. His name is Nathaniel Curtis. And um, I intentionally have not watched that series. And I, my producer also, so my do interject show, if you like, because this is a very long answer, but you know what I'm like. I will, I, <laughs> I will go on and on and I will eventually answer your question. Go on, roll with it, roll with it, Joe. But I work with a very, so I'm 66. My team at the BBC, I always call it a creche. I'm not patronising, but they are, they are so much younger than me. And I, and that I like to think keeps me young and I keep, you know, like, I like to think it keeps me current. I know what's going on because I work with young people. They always ask me what I want in my running order. um, And I okay it before we actually have the item on the show. And they came up with this, it's a sin. And I'd been following social media and reading the reviews. And this is a hugely 
successful series, popular, I don't know if that's the right word, but certainly was in. Well, you're on Graham Norton, you're popular. <laughs> exactly. Um, a, a massive audience. And I, my reaction to my team was actually, no, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it because it's, not historical for me, it is far too recent. Mm. Um, and I don't think I can talk about it without getting emotional. I get emotional anyway, because I'm 66. But I, you know, and I, and they went, okay, Joe, fine. I then read a little bit more about it. And you actually by then had emailed me. And I just thought, hold on a moment. Probably I do have a take on this because I was, mm. I was presenting a breakfast show in Brighton for all these years through the 80s. Which is what I thought about, because we met when um, we were both doing things at BBC Radio Surrey. So, and I remember you went to Brighton. Exactly. And so I did have, um, so Nathaniel uh, Curtis, the actor, came on my show. And my gosh, it was eye-opening, because I, I like, like this chat, I was honest. I said, I'm sorry I haven't watched it. I'm not far enough removed from that part yeah. of, of history. The fact it is history, I um, question that. But um, And then I chatted to him, this fantastically talented actor, who was talking about that period in time in the same way I would probably have spoken about the Roaring Sixties. Do you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> it was something that was fairly, and I, I don't want to compromise him, but alien to him. And that... Yeah shocked me so much that I mean let's face it he wasn't born you know um, and, and and that is that is really important if you're looking back on something that may be your parents experience but you did not it's quite different my daughter is 30 so for her it's exactly the same thing as it is for Nathaniel and he said I said to him but you know your sex education must have included, and he went, well, no, not really. And I was like, what? You know, Joe, you remember, on every toilet door, every everywhere, every sanitary towel dispenser, there was there were notices, public education. Um, and I just thought, hang on, is this all, have we sort of, have we been lulled into a sort of, and I, again, I don't want to offend, complacency, where we can just say, well, you know, actually, Nobody dies. It's fine. So let's just let that drift off into a bit of history that in your words, Joe, and I loved what you said. And again, it was a reason why I was apprehensive. You said the media can often treat this like a soap opera. Yeah, that's the thing that really gets up my nose because it's you're part of a storyline. If you're an HIV character, um, you are not a woman anyway. Because, as you know, I mean, as I know very well from my own experience, we don't get HIV, we're just girls. And one of the things that got me about It's a Sin was there were no women in it, mm. apart from there is a female best friend of the guys who share the flat sort of thing. She shares the flat with them. Um, and you and I were possibly that female best friend because we were both there at the time. And we both had friends who were gay. Therefore, for us, this is something that means something. To be honest, I had forgotten how much it meant to me. And unlike you, I did watch it. I watched it because I was there at the time and because I live with HIV right now. As you said, it's a different ballgame. 
there is very good treatment. It controls the condition. You actually can't give HIV to anybody else sexually if you're on treatment, and almost everybody in this country is. But it's still a big deal in terms of how people see you. But going back to the programme, um, I watched the first episode and I was so shocked at how much it upset me. And I did know what it was about because for the British HIV Association, I fact-checked the script. That was back in 2019. So I sort of knew how it went. I didn't like see the whole script. I saw the tricky medical bits. But I then watched the next four episodes you know, with my eyes with matchsticks propping them open till two in the morning. And, you know, I cried while I was watching it. And I I was surprised that I felt like that. But I remembered people I hadn't thought of in years. I used to share a flat with a girl who worked in a dance studio. And so there was like Alistair and Robert and Jan and Michael who would like regular dinner guests that we saw all the time. I went to heaven. I mean, the the club heaven, which is featured in it. I don't know if you ever did, because the music was great. Did you go? Oh, gosh. It was, that was a phrase, I'll see you in heaven. I mean, yes, exactly. What are you going on about? No, absolutely. Heaven, oh, my gosh. But I think, Joe, just to, to, I just want to butt in, because there's so much I also want you is the female friend I heard her being interviewed on I think it was on Woman's Hour and um, again she said and I don't want to copy her but it's it's exactly what you're talking about she said I lost three close friends yeah and, and I'm not saying this to be melodramatic we've all lost friends I'm 66 I've lost friends through so many different illnesses and suicides but I lost three friends through AIDS, three very good friends. And as we are women talking, yes, I very seldom do you see women portrayed in any, you know, in this, in Bleeding Heart, in, in so many dramas on stage, because great dramas have come out of this crisis. Yeah. Theatre dramas have come out of this crisis. Very seldom is there a, a, a female with HIV. It's always male. And, you know, fair enough that it was a domination, dominance of male, I suppose, certainly in the 80s and the 90s. But I, I lost three good friends. And my concern is they never told me. These were people from the acting profession who yes. tell me everything. You know, there are no, unlike journalists, actors tell each other everything. I, in one instance, could see this person fading in front of my eyes. Mm -hmm. No word of a lie. He was in a show at Brighton Theatre Royal. I went in his dressing room with a bottle of Floridix, which is like um, a it's like, um, sort of like iron nutrient supplementy thing. Yeah. And I, he said to him, "Look, I think you should take this Floridix. You know, I said it's like baby bio. You'll feel so much better." And and he died months later. In all three instances, their mothers never knew. They never told their parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and particularly mothers, because these men were so close to their mothers, their mothers never, ever knew. And that, to me, is one of the most emotional, greatest shame. Mm. Because, and one of them did contact me afterwards and said, tell me, what, tell me about, because I was working with him in a show, tell me about those weeks, because she never saw him. She never saw him before his death. Mm. 
the stigma surrounding. And that's what upsets me so much, you know, that they were denied grieving their children or talking to their children at the most important time in their life. I share absolutely identically the experience that you have just been describing. Also, bringing women back into it. Um, I had a friend. I mean, she wasn't a close friend. She was someone I knew. She went to the same pub type of thing. And she was the games mistress at a posh girls' school. She got HIV after a trip to Africa, incidentally. Now, I think I was one of the very few people who knew. And she only told me because I asked her leading questions. She, to this day, people think she died because she was a drinker. She Mm. wanted people to believe that she was an alcoholic. Her mother, apparently rich, had died of alcohol. This is one of those, you know, little myth stories that goes round about people that go to the same bar all the time. And to this day, people think that she died because she'd been drinking too much. And that feeling, that stigma, unfortunately, is still very present, perhaps more for women in a way than it is for men. Because men, in the time we're talking about in It's a Sin, there were more men. Obviously, there were more men. But the women that there were had it in spades because there wasn't another you. You know, you didn't know another you. I mean, I got it much later, so it's a different thing. And there was treatment and so on. But the thing for women now is that you aren't just you with your friends. You're you with maybe your children, with your mother, with your, as you just said, with this extended family who still all think it's just gay guys, just gay guys who get this. It's nothing to do with girls. You know, it's different for girls. And if you're a girl that gets it, you've either been shooting up drugs or you are an absolute slapper, to use a phrase. You know, you must have been around absolutely everybody round the block three times. And what people don't get is you can get pregnant after one sexual experience. You can get HIV after just one sexual experience. It's a virus and it's looking for a home. And, you know, you may be just the home it's after. I'm, oh my gosh, no, I'm just nodding, I'm sitting here nodding to everything and I guess everything you've just told me is the reason why women often get a very late diagnosis. Yeah, because unfortunately near half of women are diagnosed late and what that means is that you are 10 times more likely to die in the first year after diagnosis because your immune system has already been damaged. And that is so, so unnecessary. It really is unnecessary. And one of the groups that gets diagnosed late, and let's face it, I was part of that group, is older women whose marriage is broken up Mm. and who are just getting into relationships again. Because you aren't exactly thinking about using a condom because you aren't exactly going to be able to get pregnant. And you never exactly mixed with people that were going to give you 
anything nasty, if you know what I mean. So it, it's not in your mind. In your mind is, oh, maybe I'm going to find love again, you know? You're not thinking, I'm going to find a virus. Mm. And then when you do find that virus, your doctor, your GP, is extremely unlikely to think that these funny little things that you're suffering from, you seem to get these chest infections. You seem to get this unexplained diarrhea or a little bit of a rash. They are not for a second going to say, this is an indicator condition. That's a you know medical term for something which indicates you're going to have HIV because these are things that commonly happen with someone in stages of HIV. So if you diagnose three, four more years longer into living with the virus, the virus is well established and it's beaten up your immune system. And so the future is not looking so good, Joe Good, but mm. with the medication that is available now, even if you are really quite weak, because your immune system measured in terms of measuring the number of white cells and so on that you have is really low, it's really looking bad, the medication will lift you back up again. But it's so important for people to know it's there. At the moment, there's probably about 7,000 people walking around in this little country who have HIV but don't know that they have because they've never been tested. But worldwide, Joe, there are more women than there are men with HIV. Of 38 million people with HIV, 21 million are us girls. Gosh, that does shock me. What really shocks me, Joe, is also you saying that in 2021, you can sit in front of your GP and it's not one of her first questions. Yeah is you know could you be HIV I find that absolutely shocking and again I just think have we come nowhere I am eager to ask you though about um the medication because to go back to my time in Brighton yeah became uh, I did the breakfast show down there and I couldn't work out why I'd become a gay icon just literally within a matter of months and it was because I would come on now Joe you can probably explain this better I would come on air at half past five in the morning and I think at that time so we're talking late 80s early 90s is it the combination what was the combination therapy there was a drug that meant you had to take it very early in the morning and I think I was on an alarm radio all over Brighton. My my dreadful dulcet tones would burst out because this. And I think it was a it was a new drug that many people would take in the very early hours of the morning using an alarm radio to wake them up. And I think that's how I got this extraordinary audience that I've never had before. But you will know you know more about that. Is it was it a combination therapy? I don't really know. Well, combination therapy is really what we're all saved by now if you like it's three different drugs because you have a drug that stops the hiv virus getting into a cell you have a drug that knocks it out in the cell and then you have a drug that stops it getting back into circulation in the body again so it's that that is what combination it's three drugs triple therapy what you're referring to at the time though it wasn't there. It wasn't available till like 1996. Uh -huh. There were things that were being trialed like AZT, 
Unfortunately, that wasn't actually so good for you. The early medications were pretty pokey. And people used to make bad jokes, like if you didn't die from the virus, the drugs would get you or the other way around, you know. And what you're saying about early morning, you would, you people would be taking huge numbers of different tablets. They wouldn't be taking one tablet, which is what most people take now, one or maybe two in some instances. They would be taking a handful of tablets quite literally, some of which needed to be taken with food, some of which needed to be taken without food, some of which needed to be taken at the beginning of the day, some at the end of the day. And every doctor wanted to do something. Um, with the It's a Sin script, uh, I talked to a doctor who I know quite well, who also was in Brighton, you never know, you may even have met him, because um, he still is there. But he was, he did his training and he worked in the Middlesex Hospital. That's where the first dedicated HIV ward was. And it was called an AIDS ward. AIDS yeah. as in acquired immune deficiency syndrome. But AIDS is what you die of. It's basically when your immune system's been knocked out. HIV is the name of the friendly little virus that is what causes that problem. And he told me, because I, I've interviewed him about various things several times, just how how awful it was, you know, how just how really purely awful it was, because you would so want to be able to do something. And yes, of course, you would try things that might not work. But what was the choice? You try that or they just die, you know, so you would be so careful to not harm, but you would know that it really was a wing and a prayer, very much the prayer that might save people. But there are people who have an immune system, which is something else, and which does control the virus to a certain extent, all by itself. The film Pride, which you may have seen. Uh, yeah, I've interviewed yeah. the director and, and the lead actor from yeah. that. Carry on, carry on. Well, the guy that that is based on, Jonathan Blake, who in fact has taken part in this series of podcasts. Oh. He was the first person recorded. He's adorable. You would absolutely yeah. love him. Now, he is the guy that Pride is based on. You know, the sort of gay and lesbian saving the minors with their donations. That was Jonathan. Wow. Now, Jonathan didn't refuse to take AZT because he knew or suspected that it could do him harm from what he'd heard. And he now says, in fact, I think he says it in the podcast, that he it probably saved him. But his body, he actually controlled the virus without medication for a number of years. I can relate to that because that happened to me as well. It's not very normal, but it does happen to about 1% of people. But for most people, um, and me now, you know, uh, because it controls it. And then the little virus goes, hey, okay, I've been, I've been having a rest, but I am back, girl, you know, and you have to take medication again. Isn't it, um, it's, gosh, that's so interesting. And, and all the myths surrounding what would aggravate the virus 
I don't know if you remember this, Joe, but when I was in Brighton, there were so many myths around. I mean, Brighton is like, there's, they, they say there's a yoga class every one minute in Brighton someone is teaching. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. And then there was this myth of, you know, don't because it can accelerate the virus. Don't, don't have, it. I remember this, I remember, I think even talking about this on the radio or having someone in saying yeah. don't reflexology don't have yoga because it could accelerate you know people were just in the blind not really knowing where to turn but I can also remember and I and I all these myths and and you as a woman I will always remember a caller to my radio show going should we drain the swimming pools because of a woman swimming in a pool um, who could be menstruating and this blood flow could go into a public pool? Should we drain all the swimming pools in Brighton? And this, I mean, for this generation to hear this sort of stuff is quite extraordinary. It's so reactive. And you talk about stigma. I mean, so much stigmatizing. And I really, I mean, you talk about the ward, the, what did you call it in the Middlesex, the AIDS ward? Yes. Well, I remember the John Elton, the Elton, sorry, the Elton John ward opening in, uh, I think it was Brighton General. Yeah. Those people listening, this is a massive deal because, you know, not I'm not talking about Di Princess Diana, but we now we have celebrities putting their names to so many charities they never that was you know in the 80s and the 90s you didn't charity wasn't such a big deal as it is now but you would get these people at putting their names to charities to aids charities which was had never happened before you'd never get someone saying i am here to support this use my name use my name as a brand and i can remember that when that ward opened um in the uh, brighton general and I unfortunately think I remember it closing through lack of funding as well. So there were all these, there was like the Brighton Beacon, there were all these place, places wake there. Yeah. Brighton know. Beacon is still going strong. Is it? And the Lawson Centre in Brighton is an HIV centre. I, in fact, use that for my care. I make that pilgrimage down to the sea. Stunning. It's really, really a sort of centre of professional excellence. But um, things have so moved because, you know, you were just talking about drain the pool, a woman menstruating with HIV swam in it. Uh, you know, so in one way, things have really moved. Everybody, uh, when pregnant, is monitored for HIV and women no longer have babies that are HIV positive, because if they're found to be HIV positive and they're not on treatment. They are put on treatment. The baby is monitored after being born. So that no longer happens, which is a, a big move forward. But still, things stay with the menstruating woman in the pool. We get reports about hospitals wanting to put HIV patients at the end of an operating list. A recent survey at a famous London hospital, which I will not name and shame, nearly half the staff there said they would isolate HIV patients in a room of their own for no other reason than that they were HIV positive. Um, there were other things in that survey, but I think I've made the point. The thing that really got me about it is that if you can't have doctors get it right, if you can't have health professionals get it right, why are you shocked when you meet someone 
who knows nothing. I look infinitely too respectable, apparently, <laughs> to be HIV positive. So the sort of thing I get is from a local councillor that I made the mistake of telling I was HIV positive because I was leading into some health thing. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. Did you have a blood transfusion when you were having your daughter? You know, people always think, you know, and I actually said, you know, what is it about me? Do I look like I never have sex? <laughs> well, I've obviously done it once. I've got a daughter. You know, I mean, come on. Is it? I mean, I am desperate to ask you that, Joe, because if we compare it to this present pandemic, there is, you know, no one I've got, you know, everyone now is going to be able to name people who have had COVID, got COVID, survived. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever said to any of them, where did you get it from? I yeah. think now it's so it's so prevalent. But people will still in their head, even if they don't ask you, Joe, and you're so clever because you you just hold back on that. You know, let them let them just keep digging, 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 digging. Yeah. That is still the main question to anybody who says I'm HIV, is the first thing is in your head, even if you don't ask it, I wonder where you got it from. But now people why, do why are about COVID, are we? We're not going yeah. hang on, trace this yeah. back. Are we? Well, it's the prurience of it being sexual. It's all to do with it being about sex. Because they do, that's why I said, do I look as if I never had sex? And and the people asking don't even know that that is how it might be transmitted in most cases. Um, Walking over Rygate Heath, because that is where I live, there was a woman behind me with what I discovered was her goddaughter. And we'd passed a couple of times. Their dog had come and spoken to me. I love dogs, as you know, and dogs love me, and I don't have one now. Anyway, I heard her talking about It's a Sin to her goddaughter, who was probably about 30. I mean, it wasn't a little girl or anything. And the woman was really trying to say, I'm really cool. I watched this program. Let me just explain what it was like. You know, I went to heaven once and so on. And I heard her and I couldn't help myself. I stopped and spoke to her and said, yeah, really sorry to interrupt, but, and started talking about it because I thought, if you're talking to someone like a goddaughter who doesn't know, I'm going to try and make sure you at least get the facts, you know, and so on and so on. And so I explained all the facts. I broke them into it gently. I said, I work for the British HIV Association. You know, I do a lot of medical writing. It's what I do. So they're not associating me with it at this point. And then I slowly unrolled myself as being somebody, you know, with HIV. I said, well, actually, I've got HIV. I said, we normally talk about living with it, but I don't say that because it sounds like a new boyfriend. I've got HIV. And the goddaughter was grinning away and she said, really, how interesting. Meanwhile, the um, the woman was absolutely like her jaw was right down in the mud um, on the heath. You could see it. It was right, right down there. And then she did exactly what you just said. She stopped and she turned as they were. She hurried them past. You know, I was obviously just not the sort of person you want to talk to or to walk with your goddaughter. Oh, no. And she stopped and said, do you mind if I ask you something? It's very personal. I said, no, of course not. Always happy to help with information. And she said, how did you get it? (laughs) And I said, sex, you know, 97% of people with HIV actually get it 
through sex. That's that's how you get it. Did did the man who gave it to you, did he know? Uh, and I said, well, in fact, I discovered afterwards that I was one of probably five women. Um, I said, men, if they get it, they tend to get a bit angry and they want to share it about, with which she went a very funny colour indeed. And she said, I hope you don't mind, we're going to walk on. And they did. They disappeared so fast, I thought the aliens had come and uplifted them. <laughs> if you open a conversation about it, you have to be prepared for that because it is a conversation stopper. And do you think given, if if she'd met a guy, if it had been a guy listening to their conversation and he'd interjected and done what you'd done, do you think she would have turned and asked him that? No. No. Because she would have made an assumption. Oh, she would. She would have assumed yeah. he was promiscuous sexually. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what she would have done. She yeah. wouldn't have been yeah. nosy enough to ask. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I do you, Joe, do you... The speed at which they are getting these vaccines out, you know. So you and I, we lived through the 80s and the 90s and we could see what um, was happening to, uh, you know, a pandemic then and what's happening now. And they are comparable. But this vaccine is now, you know, it's like daily briefings from Downing Street every day on my show. I have to stop to hear something else from... Boris, um, do you resent the fact it took a lot longer? A lot longer? We aren't there. No. There is not a vaccine. That, I mean, it, it, HIV. So, so people say to me, do you mind about that? Well, of course I mind, you know. I mean, I've got HIV, so have 38 million other people in this world. You know, it's this is not about me. It is about something which is affecting, in this country... It's 30,000 women. So you can say, oh, it's only 30,000. Well, in fact, it's a bit over 30,000, but it's 30,000. It's about 100,000 people altogether. I have actually said to people recently, look at it in terms of logic. There's 100,000 of us, people with HIV, in a population of 67 million. Do you think anyone cares? Do you think they care enough to invest money in producing a vaccine? If you look at it globally, this country the and the West generally, the rich West, does not care because HIV doesn't affect everyone in the way COVID does. It or does not transmit easily, you know. You can get COVID in a breath, quite literally, you know. HIV, you actually have to do mm. something in order to get it. So... There is a guilt thing that people see with HIV. You had sex. Sex is dirty. Sex is nasty. Sex is naughty. This isn't just like sex outside marriage. Altogether, it's like sex. You know, I use that term quite deliberately because people do think about it. And people have also said to me, well, do you think these vaccines really work? It's been a big thing in the HIV community to convince people that the vaccine doesn't contain any of the bad things they think it might. Like, there are no animal products. There are no, you know, it is halal. It is okay. It doesn't kill you. There's there's some people who believe it makes you sterile, you know? There are all of these myths which we're trying to bust. And they say, well, what? why isn't there an HIV vaccine? Easy peasy. This 
or these vaccines, because there are many, and there will be more, there are so many trials going on for COVID, are because huge amounts of money were thrown at it by government and by pharma. If you're a pharma, pharmaceutical company, then, and you're making a vaccine that the whole world needs now, because people are going to die now if they don't have it, of course you're going to invest in it because you're going to make money. And also, you know, you're going to save the planet, literally. You're going to save people. And the economy. And the economy. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Sorry, Joe. Thank you so much for reminding me. The economy, we've all got to go back to pubs and work. And But, I mean, in real terms, we all want to do that. But with HIV, it is not a big problem. Mm. And even it would be said it is not a big problem for people who have it because there is medication. But anybody with HIV who listened to this knows medication is not a walk in the park. There are not megaly bad side effects, but there are side effects like disturbed sleep or diarrhea or whatever. And you can switch and try and find a medication where that doesn't happen. But speaking purely personally, if I get a good night's sleep, I sing the Alleluia Chorus. (laughs) Loudly. And that's not nice for the neighbours. So can I just say then, you know, as someone in the media, and I have to say before It's a Sin came out, we were, we don't, I don't think for the probably four or five years, we've even discussed HIV on my show. And I do a daily three and a half hour radio show. Can I ask why? There is only you, Joe, as a female representative on this subject still. It is still surrounded in stigma. There are still people who will never come out and talk as blatantly and honestly as you. Look at the word you just used, blatantly. That in itself is quite loaded. That's got a bit of a pejorative in it. Incidentally, the last time you talked about HIV on your show, you talked to me. (laughs) And the the now chair of the British HIV Association, Laura Waters, who was then a more junior doctor at the Mortimer Market. That's what you did. So the reason is because my daughter is grown up. But the first time I spoke about it, I had to know that she knew, and she was just at university. um, And I had to know that she was okay about me doing it because I cared about her. Now, she's grown up. I know a lot of really strong women in the HIV sector, but their children are at school. You do not want the mothers of their classmates who might listen to Women's Hour, say if you do Women's Hour, or your show, yeah, in the afternoon, might very well listen to it. Then reacting differently, saying to their children, I really don't think you ought to play with that, Joe. You know, I don't want her for a sleepover. Mm. Definitely not her mother. Well, I'm not going to tell you, but, you know, that is the sort of thing that could happen. I know someone who, um, in fact, did something at a conference with me recently, who his, his grandmother doesn't know that he's HIV positive because his grandmother doesn't know that in fact his mother is that's how that happened yeah because it is loaded it is a big deal and women women look out women are outward facing 
They faced their children, their family, their friends. I am not being overly critical, but more observational. You know, men, gay guys, they're themselves. They're themselves, their couple and their friends. It's a different thing altogether. And that's why. But when I first spoke, it was only because I'd been briefing BBC Radio 4's Today programme. They asked me to go on it. Then they rejected me, Joe. Because I wouldn't talk about how I got it. There you go. There you go. That's exactly what we've been discussing, you know, that, and that's no other, as, as I say, we take it to today and the pandemic, they're never going to sit talking to someone with COVID. I listen to the Today programme day in and day out. I don't think they've ever said, oh, by the way, do you know how you caught it? Never. No, no. Well, but they did back then. This is 2013. Oh, yeah. So I ended up doing uh, BBC Breakfast instead, um, which was a big deal, but and I've done it since, but it isn't a nice thing to do. But going back to where we started with It's a Sin, can I just say that I, if I were you, I think I almost wouldn't watch it unless I was in the sort of mood where I really wanted to remember everything because it did affect me very emotionally. But if you like, I was going to watch it, wasn't I? I'd check the medical facts in 2019 with, with the, when the script was being produced. And I work in this sector and I do my best, my level best to get information about HIV out there so that people don't have to hide it, don't feel that they must hide it and can just live a normal life in every sense. HIV doesn't kill you, stigma does. That's a sort of almost a cliche in the HIV sector, but it's also true. So, Joe, do you think you will watch It's a Sin now? I'm, uh, no. I'm not telling you to. I'm just asking. I'll tell you, Joe. My emotions at the moment, due to this probably this pandemic, just everything's around at my age. I look back on my life all the time now instead of looking forward, and I and I, I and I. I look back on my Brighton years. It was very much my Brighton years. They were the most extraordinary years for me. And I look back on the people that I lost. And this is not, I'm not trying to sound sensational or anything. It's, I'm not in a frame of mind where I can do it. I can't look mm -hmm. at young people portraying a world that they weren't born into because I'm too, I have too much eye for detail and there will be things they will get totally wrong and I'll be screaming at the television. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not strong enough emotionally because of what's going on around us at the moment to sit and look at that, to be honest. And I, I don't trust them. Or I just don't trust them to have got it right. They have got it more right than you would believe. The fact that they did use the British HIV Association personified by myself and yeah. obviously people that know a hell of a lot more than I do to make sure they got it right factually. The detail in that sense, I know is right. I did the fact checking. But the, the feel of it is similar to the feel that you did have at the time. For me, the killer is that you like the characters so much. You really like them. And it's that feeling of really liking them that makes you hate the bad things that happen to them. And they did remind me a bit 
of the people that I knew and loved and lost. And what I would say to you, maybe we're going to have to wrap this up soon, but is at the moment, maybe you really should not watch it because I was ever so emotional. And if you like, I've got a bit of a wall between me and it. You don't have that wall. And you would be looking at every bit. You'd be looking at every character. You'd be looking at everything. You'd be looking at heaven and you'd be criticising it the same way that I did, you know? And it would upset you. I know you live with your dog. I haven't even got a dog. <laughs> you have to sort this out. You know, Definitely. life Definitely. without a dog is no life at all. So I'll go off on a tangent. But you you need to, Joe. You know, and the other thing, I need to see more of you. I'm sitting here thinking. I know. I was thinking that. Long. It's I'm... really quite spooky how alike we look. <laughs> your hair's shorter and mine is longer because of the pandemic. Oh, but we definitely, when we're allowed to, can we reunion with maybe just one glass? And I'm going to bring my dog and I'm going to persuade you to get a dog into your life. I, I honestly, Joe, you know, I was full of apprehension of doing this. I'm totally full Thank of. You. And I've said things that I've never even said to myself on this. So thank you for that opportunity. And I'm so glad that you did it, Joe. And I would have totally understood if you did not. That you were so lovely. You went, Joe, I understand. I totally understand. And that's yeah. what you think, right, I'm not going to let her down. I'm going to do this. So thank you. Joe, good forever. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe via Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about what Joe Good and Joe Josh were discussing on the show, email info at nam.org.uk or follow us on Twitter at AIDSMAP.